This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox. In just a few moments, we'll introduce you to Joel Fransky, managing partner at Green Theory Design, a local success story based in Port Coquitlam, which creates architectural landscape products that transform spaces into natural experiences for homes and workplaces everywhere. In our second hour today, we welcome back Kyla Lee from Acumen Law, who will be joined by Lance Platt in Texas to talk about roadside drug recognition and enforcement. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. A brand of children's jackets are being recalled because they have a drawstring that could present a hazard. Health Canada says the Cali Kids nylon waterproof shell jacket, style 1654, are sold in blue, pink, red, and yellow colors. The federal agency says the drawstrings at the bottom of the jackets could become entangled or caught on playground slides, handrails, school bus doors, or other moving objects. Now, more than 3,200 of these jackets made in China have been distributed in Canada and have been sold over the last couple of years up to last month. Health Canada says it does not have any reports of injuries related to the product. Home Depot's spring marked a dramatic turnaround from its ugly winter. The company posted $30.5 billion worth of sales last quarter, up almost 9% from a year ago. That is stunning, particularly for a retailer as huge as Home Depot. The strong spring led Home Depot to boost its outlook for the year after a very slow first quarter. Both Home Depot and rival Lowe's are somewhat Amazon-proof, as many professional builders and do-it-yourself consumers prefer to go to home improvement stores for building materials as opposed to, well, buying online at Amazon. Lowe's will release its latest earnings next week and similar results are expected. Oh, and so much for all those worries that Walmart was losing ground to Amazon. Walmart delivered its best U.S. sales growth in more than a decade. Digital sales up 40%, debunking worries that growth in Walmart's numerous digital operations as well as just Walmart.com were starting to slow. They aren't. Plus, Walmart's grocery sales growth was one of the highlights in the quarter. Walmart's results may also help reassure investors after disappointing sales from Macy's on Wednesday led to a retail sector bloodbath on Wall Street. Many prominent retail stocks, including companies like J.C. Penney, dropped somewhere between 10 and 25 percent. Oh, and the folks at Tim Hortons say those leaky lids on their coffee cups are going to be phased out. The CEO said if they don't, they'll fall back in time. On Thursday, when Timmy's made this announcement, the entire country actually replied... And you've just figured this out after 20 years? The CEO says Timmy's has been testing several prototypes. And now a small number of stores are introducing new, more environmentally friendly lids. This is all part of a new strategy for Tim Hortons, which includes admitting mistakes, new packaging and marketing campaigns, and a new emphasis on environmentally friendly practices, like reviewing all packaging materials to begin with. As to finally getting around to changing those annoying lids. The boss at Timmy says he now hopes the people most angry at him 
are dry cleaners and car washing companies with a lot less stain removal work to do. And here's a story that I'm sure you've thought of, especially these hot summer days when people with food travel on public transit. Sometimes the food really smells. Not necessarily bad, but certainly strong. So what to do about it? Well, if you live in Vienna, your problem has been solved by city council, who have just imposed a strict no-food ban on all city subway systems. Period. The ban goes into effect on one line on September 1st and on the other four subway lines January 1st. Local politicians had originally considered banning only strong-smelling foods like pizza until they took a survey and a huge majority of riders said, whoa, no, ban all food. So that's it. Passengers will still be allowed to snack on platforms. No fine amounts yet for offenders, but word is the change will be gradual. So would that kind of no food period ban work here what do you think let us know sterling at cknw.com for your thoughts those are some of the week's top consumer stories we'll look at some more as the show goes along stay with us because after the break you'll meet joel fransky and learn about another bc company that's on the way up and how they might be the people to help improve your home or workplace this is vancouver consumer and you're with 980 cknw And welcome back to the program on this hazy Saturday afternoon. That's not a cloud cover, friends. That's the smoke from all of those fires up country. Sterling Fox joined in studio by the managing partner of Green Theory Design. A pleasure to welcome Joel Fransky to Vancouver Consumer. Hello, Joel. Hello, Sterling. Good to be here. It's great to have you with us. I love local entrepreneurial success stories. And Green Theory Design is certainly smack in the middle of that category. Tell us about your company. You're relatively new. You've only been around for four. Four years now? Yeah, we're almost four years old, and uh, we've had some uh, fortunate to have great growth uh, since the beginning. Uh, but we're we specialize in planters, and uh, it may seem like a small thing, but it's there's a lot more to it than people may think. Well, you know, you, you think about it, planters. How can a person make a living pl- doing planters? And then you start to look. We're in an office building, for example, down in our lobby. There are plants here on this floor. There are plants, and every, every pretty much everywhere you go, hotels, retail, there you start to look at the plants everywhere, Joel, and you go all of a sudden, man, this is big time. You, you don't think about it until you do, and then you realize there's plants everywhere. And so you make the planters. You're not in the plant business. You're not a, a greenhouse. You're the planter guys. Yeah, we, we so we, we don't really do anything with the uh, actual planting, right. um, but our our company focuses on the actual production and manufacturing of, of planters and of supply of uh, a couple other lines that we have that involve planters. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're the hard goods, and so we leave the uh, planting up to the experts. Okay, so what got you started? How did you tweak on this niche in the first place? We rewind about uh, to about ten years ago when I used to own uh, auto body collision shops. Okay, and uh, we got asked to match these two fiberglass planters uh, to a customer's Porsche. And so we did a bunch of body work on it and smoothed them out and got rid of all the waves that you typically saw with fiberglass planters and did this mirror finish that matched his car. So they're on either side of his garage. When he pulled in, there was two matching planters, the same color as his Porsche. And did the guy flip? 
He loved him. I'll he bet. loved him. I'll yeah. just bet. <laughs> and, uh, and it started just sort of snowballing from there. We started getting some odd jobs. We started sort of poking around a bit for them. And, and this is uh, being on the side because you're still doing auto body stuff, right? We were running two collision shops right. is, is what I had. And uh, so this was on the side, and it started growing a little bit. Uh, but we really found where the challenges was, was you're limited to what stock was available in Vancouver. Okay. And the sizing and maybe the materials didn't always fit for where the space was. So you're limited to what size maybe somebody imported uh, or the color they imported. It was very limiting. Mm-hmm. And so there was uh, not many options. And so we eventually were working with another project at a small little boutique hotel in, in Chinatown. And they needed a bunch of work done. And it's like, well, why aren't you doing these out of metal? And they're like, well, no one, no one does that. And so, so the client asked you to do them out of metal. Yeah, we 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 well, we asked like, why aren't you? And they're like, no one does it. I mean, oh, okay. it, so it uh, for us, for me especially, I'm sort of serial entrepreneur kind of guy. Um, it sort of it went off that well, why why can't these be done? And because I was in the auto body business, metal painting and everything was you had second everything, nature. All the tools at your disposal. So we thought, well, let's let's do it. And so we ended up doing a project, and uh, we have immediately wiped out uh, not using steel. We didn't want anything that would rust. And so we settled on marine grade aluminum and uh, and powder coat and started about, yeah, almost 10 years ago, starting to make our first few custom planters. I want to go back to, to the origins of the company, but to bring things up to this weekend, you're using aluminum. Where, where, where do you source your aluminum? Are you nicked by these Trump tariffs at all? Are they hurting your business? Uh, if anything, it's actually helped us. And so we're fortunate enough that uh, our aluminum uh, actually does come from offshore. Uh, but our tariff codes for what we produce is tariff free. Uh, it still falls under the free trade agreement. So, oh, wow. uh, in in doing the tariffs, uh, is actually sort of hurt the American businesses who now have to pay more for the metal, uh, and we're able to export to the United States tariff free. So they've improved your competitive edge in the United States market. Love them to bits. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about your unintended consequences. I'll bet your competitors south of the line aren't too keen on that development. No. I I mean, and being Canadian company, we already have that advantage uh, with the dollar. And so we're able to manufacture and produce uh, more competitively because of the dollar. And now add in that they have tariffs and more cost on their material. Uh, it's pretty hard to compete against us now. We're talking with uh, with Joel Fransky, the managing partner of Green Theory Design, with uh, manufacturing uh, headquarters in Port Coquitlam, right? Yes. Uh, we sort of uh, were looking for space, and Port Coquitlam just seemed to have some really nice big open spaces. And so we settled there. So tell us now. I'm, I'm, I had to do the Trump thing because you start talking about aluminum. Everybody goes, oh, geez, I bet she's taking a pounding. You, you you're dodging that bullet so far. Lucky you. Uh, back to the back to the origins of Green Theory Design for a minute, Joel. In those days, there were two of you. Nowadays, there are two dozen of you. So take us through the development process that allowed the company in four short years to develop that rapidly. Yeah, we, we started small, so it was uh, basically me running it. I have two, two business partners. There's three of us that make up the ownership. Um, and it was me and a salesperson, mm-hmm. and uh, then eventually we had someone in the warehouse. When we first started, we weren't actually manufacturing ourselves. We just managed all the manufacturing. 
Oh, so, so you would source out the manufacturing edge. You sort of the middleman position in that in those early days. For sure, and recognizing so designed, the need, but not having the manufacturing capability at that time. Yeah, it was it was hard to justify having a facility that was dedicated to just making planters, um, and so we started just by vetting out uh, manufacturers. Uh, we had our way that we wanted them done, how we wanted the welds finished and dressed and the powder coating and so forth. Uh, so we specified everything and it was all to our uh, to our specifications. Sure. But we, had, we eventually just started by having a little bit of subbing out, but then it grew to where we had three different manufacturing companies and three different powder coaters all working for us. And it got tough for some of them to keep up or just you you know, we weren't the priority maybe for all of them. Right. And so, you know, something's done, supposed to be done Tuesday because uh, a restaurant needs the planters for an opening and, you know, Tony was sick and so right, they're not sure. done. And so we just, uh, uh, we didn't like that we didn't have that control. Sure. And so we we slowly started growing just by having a bit more into the warehouse. Uh, and then I think our next hire after sales was our own technical uh, web developer that came on board and he's been with us since we began. Um just to be able to start having a bit more of a web presence, mm-hmm. um, but I think the biggest change for us is when we when we we moved from just sort of being a middleman um, to actually being the manufacturers. And how uh, long did that time? To- how much time were you subcontracting the manufacturing until you decided no, we really need to take control and do this our own way ourselves? About a year and a okay, half. Okay, that's still pretty fast. Yeah, about a year and a half. We, we, we it was manageable at the first, but it just sort of seemed to snowball a little bit. Mm-hmm. And as we got uh, our, our name out there, and as we started to get uh, some deeper roots, so to speak, uh, into the United States, we were starting to get orders in. That all of a sudden became a little over overwhelming just where you're like okay we got to do something here sure um and so about a yeah about a year and a half we started looking at a space uh we moved in just uh to just over five thousand square feet uh and set up just metal manufacturing so we were just making the planters um and then subbing out the powder coating Uh, we thought okay this will be a good solution to everything um that lasted about uh eight or nine months until it was like, no, no, we need to handle... Got to do the whole thing Everything, yourself. Right. Yeah. And so uh, we found, uh, we're right now, we're in about uh, just over 20,000 square feet. Um, and it comprises of a full metal manufacturing shop, uh, a full powder coating facility. And we have a brand new automotive uh, spray booth that we do our own uh, wet painting in uh-huh. uh, using automotive paint. So it's all about customizing, right? It's all about exactly what the client wants. Uh, yeah, and that's the biggest thing for us is we've sat there and the fact that we can build ourselves, we're sort of uh, a lot of companies, if you go and you talk custom, you say the word custom, you automatically think it's going to cost you oh, a, lot, sure. a lot more. Cause it's, it's custom. You have stock and that's one price and then you have custom, cha-ching, that's sort of what people think, right? Exactly. And so for us, we, we've sort of uh, really pushed away from that sort of notion. Uh, we find that because uh, we make on demand, we don't stock metal planters. Mm-hmm. Everything's just in time manufacturing for us. So whether you wanted a, a 24-inch cube or you need a 25 and a quarter, really it's no difference for us. Right. Just It's just the material and labor. So it's obviously a little bit of a different price that way, but we don't sit there and you know, feather in the cap. Well, that's custom. That's right. going to cost you. Sure. And so for us, we're sort of, I don't know, taking the custom out of custom and just allowing people to specify what they need and we build to their spec. Okay. Two quick questions here. Uh, first and foremost, how much of the business then and now is residential compared to commercial? Um, probably, probably about uh, maybe. Th- 
20 to 30 percent would be residential and, and everything and else is commercial everything else would be commercial and commercial would include uh large rooftop patios mm-hmm. uh, we do uh north american wide restaurant chains theater chains theme parks uh tons of tech companies and so forth and mm-hmm. so um but we do do a healthy business in in residential as well. So, uh, second question deals with the rapid growth. It's an incredible growth uh, uh, spurt you've been on in four short years. How did you get the word out to get all that American client base built up in a year and a half? What was your strategy? So it was actually really challenging, and I think you know. To sit there and say we didn't struggle a bit with some aspects of it, uh, we certainly did. Um, for us, it was really a matter of knowing what we did and knowing our core business and understanding, okay, when we start this, we are the custom planter guys. And we quality was everything to us and the design and the, the look and feel and everything. Um, it really became about being bigger than ourselves. So for us, uh, to sit there and just publicize ourselves and push our brand into the States uh, would only get you so far. So what's really unique about what we've done, or we think it's unique anyways, is um, we've partnered with some just fantastic companies in the United States that are in the, the planter or outdoor site furnishings type business. Okay. Um, so a lot of companies, if you go into the States and you order a custom aluminum planter, uh, it's actually us that manufactures for quite a few companies in the United States. Oh. So, so you were, are to them what those other companies in Port Coquitlam were to you when you first got started. For sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, okay. so we'll, we'll drop ship and we'll allow them to use their brand, uh, but we're the manufacturers. For, for us, it wasn't so much about having that thumb in the belt and all about our brand kind right. of thing. We're, we're here to build planters. And, uh, um, that enabled us to have growth because you had a network of all these different businesses all selling your product for you. Um, you could sit there and say it's sort of the Amazon effect kind of thing, but mm-hmm. we went with guys that were specialized, uh, that gave one-on-one personalized customer service and so forth. We had some criteria of people we wanted to work with. Um, so if, if you're Ameri- if you, you were supplying an American company and you, say, say, got a contract for a hotel chain, could you then claim in your advertising to be the company that made the goods that went in this entire hotel chain? Was that part of the deal? Or did your American company say, no, we want it. We want to claim that. Uh, actually, good. that's a great question because we actually don't, uh, if you notice on like our Instagram feeds or any sort of social media we do, we never say where a location is. Uh, so we may have some some pictures of some final installs, but we'll never sit there and say, hey, it was this or it was that. Uh, we might just show it and leave it blank because we're just showing off what we do, not Flexibility where we do it. is key. Yeah. We're talking with Joel Fransky, managing partner from Green Theory Design on Vancouver Consumer, and we're back with more after the news. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer here at CKNW. I'm Sterling Fox. Joel Fransky is with me in studio. Mr. Fransky is the managing partner of Green Theory Design, which, as it turns out, is a company right here in Port Coquitlam, British Columbia, that has a client base that goes, well, let me throw you some city names. Seattle, Washington, D.C., Tirana, Denver, Los Angeles, Boston, and the New York City School Board. You just got a new deal with the New York City School Board, you little Port Coquitlam company guy. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Tell us what you're going to do in Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, we just actually were, this is, you know, here's a Canadian advantage story, I guess. Uh, uh, our One of our main competitors in the United States was specified to do this large job for uh, the New York City School Board. And uh, good old Canadian manufacturing uh, was able to 
win it away. And uh, even though the manufacturer's in their backyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even with us maybe shipping two 53-foot containers full of custom planters to New York in the next couple months for that project, um, we were able to, to be able to satisfy all their their needs and specifications and uh, and we got awarded that job. So we're pretty excited about that one. I would think so. Uh, now, um, you, you, your planters you, that you manufacture are metal or fiberglass. I'm thinking of that guy with the Porsche that you did that first project for that, that allowed you to, the light came on when you did that because the guy was willing to pay whatever and you did a great job and thought all of a sudden, gee, this, this, this could go somewhere. So you're still making fiberglass planters. Yeah. So actually our fiberglass planters and it's very unique. Uh, we actually, we import them in from Vietnam. Okay. Um, and fortunately I've been able to go there, I think four times in the last two years. So we work very closely with our manufacturers there. Uh, but what's really special, what we do is, uh, all of our fiberglass planters are painted on order. Only guys in Canada that offer this, and there's only a small handful in the United States that offer this. So uh, you can actually come into our, our facility or just email or contact us and... We'll use a 24-inch cube as an example. Uh, Sterling, you need the to match your living room, so you need it to be in metallic pink, uh-huh. you know, or you know, or you want it to match your car or to match a cushion or something. Sure. Um, we paint all of them in or- on order, so it's the same price. If you want a black one, a white one, or metallic bubblegum pink or whatever it might be. Right. And so we've given the choice back to the consumer uh, to be able to tell us what they want. So a lot of times you'll see fiberglass pots where they're imported in a certain color and if we're sold out of white we're sold out of white right uh for us we're never sold out of a color mm-hmm. and we sit there and we can do whatever you want custom as well uh and for no extra charge and so it's we're the only people in canada that actually do that and we're the only company that we know of in all of the united states as well that actually does the metal manufacturing powder coating and wet painting in-house what is powder coating what is that you, you've used that phrase a few times and i i'm, I'm afraid i don't know i i suspect i know what you're saying but what tell us what it is so powder coating uh i'm not i'm not the most technical guy on it but powder coating uh is a coating that gets applied on with uh, electrical charge it's basically a ground on a metal surface on metal surfaces so on our aluminum planters um it's a basically a ground up plastic uh is probably the easiest way to put it um and it gets electrically charged to the metal through uh, the gun shooting out positive and the the where the planters are being grounded okay and it creates a bond for that powder uh then goes into a big oven that we have in our facility that runs at 400 degrees all day long and bakes for 20 minutes and then when it comes out and cools down you have basically almost like a bulletproof finish on your planters so that's what we use Uh, we powder coat inside out completely Uh, and then the fact that we're using marine grade aluminum uh, as the substrate and as the actual metal uh, I have planters out there we've done almost 10 years ago that still look like brand new. Interesting, because, you know, would, there would be a concern, one would think, with metal and water. Generally, somewhere along the line, rust occurs, and you're not having those issues. No, we refuse to fabricate out of steel. Uh, besides Corten steel, we do a lot of uh, fabricating out of Corten steel, which is designed to rust and patina, uh-huh. and that's a certain look. Sure. Uh, so we do a lot of that. Um, but we do get requests for, like, well, can you powder coat steel planters? And we just say no. We, we'll actually refuse a job uh, before we did that because... Because they will rust. So tell and us about these planters that you have. That because you know I know uh, I uh, I know a lot of people who say you know I'd, I'd love to have plants, but I'm I can't. Plants die when they come to my house to live. They just they don't they don't make it. <laughs> so you have a planter that you can wa- you can you can actually you don't water the plants. You water the planter once every one or two months. 
Now, that's the kind of thing that people whose homes are the places plants go to die might be interested in hearing about. Quite possibly. That was actually one of the first products we brought in. So we actually own the North American rights for uh, a product that uh, is called Ollie Plant Sipper. And it's a sub-irrigation self-water unit. So it actually goes underneath your plants. And you fill up through a tube, a reservoir, that allows just simple capillary action. You know, if you had a bit of water in your hand and cupped in your hand, you put a little dirt on top, the water would soak up through the dirt, sure. eventually. Uh, it uses the same principle and just puts water underneath your plants. So when you fill the reservoir, um, you, on some of the units, you're two months of, of no watering. And so that's actually our biggest first product that we started bringing in. We first started Green Theory. Uh, bringing that in, it still does incredibly well now throughout North America. Where did the name come from, Green Theory Design? <laughs> uh, we actually just sat there down one day and on the fly came up with it. And oh, so okay. there's, uh, I like to say there's this huge process and we sat down and had all these consultants, but no, we just came up with that and we thought, uh, eh, that'd be kind of cool. And, and of course, it's all about the green stuff that goes in the planters after all, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, we actually started our life out as Green Theory distributors uh, and then just recently in the last year changed to Green Theory design uh, because we were getting so heavily involved in the design process and in the uh, uh, the drawing process and be able to actually uh, recommend how things should be built, recommend how things can go together if it's a massive modular planter, how everything connects to be able to create a you know 20 or 30 foot long by four foot wide by four foot high big piece. And uh, so we found... Our original name didn't really fit, so we changed it to Green Theory Design instead of Distributors. By the way, friends, the phone lines are open. If you would like to jump in on this conversation or have any other questions for my guest, Joel Fransky, uh, you can give us a shout, 604-280-9898. Lines are open right now if you'd like to join the conversation. Uh, Joel, back to this, uh, to these planters and, and, and the, uh, uh, the metal planters that are, are, uh, are more popular than, than the fiberglass, just in terms of volume, you do more metal business than you you do fiberglass? Uh, yeah, metal. Metal is our main driver. Okay. It's the main lifeblood of our business. Um, but fiberglass, uh, and we've started bringing in a few composite, like fiber stone and uh, some uh, fiberglass reinforced concrete uh, products too that we're sort of playing with. So we actually have some really cool new designs in right now. But yeah, f- metal is our main focus. It's our main drive. Uh, fiberglass planters. We usually found if people. If fiber, if the aluminum didn't work for them for a project, maybe due to budget constraints or, or mm-hmm. something else, uh, they always defaulted to fiberglass. And so we thought, well, why lose that business? So we got into fiberglass. Interesting. Most of your work these days, uh, now that you are at a volume level that you've achieved, you do a lot of work with architects. These plants that o- occur in hotel lobbies and restaurants and big buildings are not there by accident anymore. Landscape architects, in collaboration with the other architects, building architects, and people like yourself, are in on the plan right from blueprint stages now, aren't you? Yeah, and we've really noticed a a real shift in in how people think about uh, design. I mean, uh, biophilic design has just become a bigger and bigger thing where people want to interact with nature. They want to be there with plants. They want to uh, uh, sort of feel like they're outside even though they're inside. And so... Even 10 years ago, you sit there and plants are almost an afterthought. You'd, you'd build a, a hotel or you'd build a restaurant or something. It's like, oh, we should probably throw some green somewhere. What do we do with that empty somewhere? corner? Need some plants, throw some green stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. and then your Fill option was, what's for sale? And you know, okay, well, I'll get just that black thing sure. and, and put that in. And so... Uh, 
now it's with the designers and especially Vancouver is fantastic about really having plants and planters yeah, everywhere. We are we lean in that direction, don't yeah, we? Yeah, and and so it's really um, it is part of the in- integral design. It's part of what they want the building to be instead of being an afterthought. And uh, obviously, you know, it's been a great wave to ride for us too. I won't uh, uh, lie about that. It's, the timing's been fantastic for us too. So we've definitely benefited from that. Um, but uh, it's still uh, it seems like it's just getting bigger. Yeah. We're talking with Joel Fransky, the managing partner at Green Theory Design. Now, you talked about the original name of your company, which was Green Theory Distributors. That would explain the website address, which is Green Theory Dist. Dot com, and you're in the process of rolling into Green Theory Design, and that'll be up and running in a couple of weeks. But if anyone wanted to check out the website, anyone listening right now thinking, well, you know, I got this project underway. We sure could use some green. So uh, a Google search for Green Theory Design will take you to the website, which is Green Theory Dist. D-I-S-T dot com. And all the stuff is on there with the fiberglass and the metal planters and all of the accessories. It's all right there and all the contact points. And further to that, you now also have a showroom. Yeah. So we, we originally, uh, were, were sort of hyper focused on landscape architects, architects, designers. Um, and we did a little bit of retail. Um, we actually even did a little bit online uh, ourselves. It was sort of a bit of an e-commerce site. Mm-hmm. Green Theory Disc was a bit of an e-commerce site there for a while. Um, we soon learned that that wasn't what we wanted. Um, but we kept getting requests, well, where can I see him? Where can I see him? Where can I see him? And so uh, with our space, we are able to have a, have a showroom. Uh, and we're just sort of now sort of pushing a bit more, saying, like, come on in. And you can see everything that we've got and uh, touch and feel. Uh, people can come if they want to see the process happening uh, or come and see their planters being manufactured. Uh, we welcome them to come and uh, everything's an open book with us. So you're at, uh, it's uh, 1515 Broadway Street in Port Coquitlam, right? Yeah, Unit 804. Sort okay, of in the so back corner where of that is complex. that? How do people find you? You're near the Mary Hill Bypass, aren't you? Good, yeah. We're uh, right at Mary Hill and Broadway. So there's a whole new development there of A&W and, and uh, Starbucks and we're right across the street in the back corner of that complex, uh, Unit 804. How much of your business is retail versus commercial? I'm sorry, residential versus commercial? Because now that you've got the showroom component going on, recognizing that, yeah, it's it's Vancouver. We might as well acknowledge that and, and give the people of Metro Vancouver what they want the most, which is green in their homes. How much residential work are you doing relative to the big picture? Um, it, it's starting to pick up more locally for, for that. Uh, we've always sort of done lots in in the u.s because a lot of our our partners in the state sell uh, residential okay or sell you know sell direct to end user um we've we shied away from that ourselves as a company but we allow others to do it and to handle that process um but we're starting to find now we're getting lots uh coming in to see us uh Right now, it's not the biggest part of our business in Vancouver, but we we sort of look. We have probably in stock at any given time maybe four to five thousand planters, um, and so we figured, why don't we open open this up and sure. allow people to come in and 
and see them. So it, it's a growing segment. Uh, we haven't focused on it a whole lot uh, for strategic reasons. Uh, and and as- despite that, it continues to, to grow. The demand level continues to increase anyway. It's insane, Sterling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, this is why it's so much fun having people like you on Vancouver Consumer Jewel, because I think the lesson that anyone who's especially an entrepreneur will go and will be nodding if they're driving in the car right now, absolutely, uh, is the amount of commitment, first of all, and the amount of work and effort required to lift a, an, an enterprise off the ground and into the game. Uh, venture capital, of course, is important, and uh, you can't do it without it. But is, financing alone doesn't get you much except, well, maybe a nice premises. You know, and that that is probably the number one thing that we've uh, pulled off, especially as with my partners, is yeah, you can have capital. And this is probably a, a, a general business thing that uh, I've really learned is you can have the capital. Capital. Uh, you can put money into the best marketing, have the best websites, have everything else. If you don't have the infrastructure needed to be able to support that, right. uh, you, you have nothing. And so for us, really, it was about developing that infrastructure, honing in one what we were good at. We knew we were the best at aluminum planners. And that was our goal was to be the best and stay the best. And we focused on that. And by focusing on that one thing, not trying to get into 50 things at once or seeing every little shiny object and running after it, we focused on that and knew our clientele, knew who we wanted to speak to with our ads and any advertising we did do. Um, That's what really enabled us to... to grow. So no, capital is great. Yes, you do need it. Of course. Um, But really, it's that determined effort and focus to be able to make it go. And then once you get that, especially if you're in the North American market, it slowly will snowball for you. Well, we appreciate your enthusiasm and uh, your contribution to the marketplace. GreenTheoryDist.com is where you find all the fine local products of the good folks at Green Theory Design. Joel Fransky, nice to meet you. Thanks for doing this. Please come back and visit us again. Your energy is contagious. (laughs) Thanks very much, Sterling. It's a pleasure. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to Joel Fransky for a very interesting, informative visit. Always a pleasure to introduce you to local entrepreneurial success stories. Next week, we'll talk deck solutions with our friends from BDO First Call. And then we'll open up our phone lines for your calls to family lawyer Stuart Zuckerman. In our next hour today, lots more on cannabis legalization and roadside testing. Time now for Duly Noted. And this time, our producer Ben Dooley has a look at how safe it is to look at the sun through all this smoke. Thanks, Sterling. Thick smoke has been giving the sun an orange-red hue this week that some may find tempting to look at, especially with the beautiful sunrises and sunsets. But is it safe to look at the sun when it's obscured by all that heavy smoke? Experts say the sun can be equally as damaging to your eyes, despite the smoky haze, because most of the problems associated with eye damage from the sun are from the UVA and UVB rays it emits, rather than the brightness of the sun itself. Although the smoke particles in the air may be diminishing the brightness of the sun, experts say the ultraviolet light is unaffected. Here's optometrist Navarosa Walji. It can affect the front surface of the eye and the back. On the front surface, it can cause some damage on the white part of the eye and cause some bumps. Um, And then for the back of the eye, it can cause uh, macular degeneration and it can also lead to cataracts. 
optometrists advise making sure your sunglasses are rated to block both UVA and UVB rays. As well, they say to never look directly at the sun, no matter the conditions. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thanks, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before the news. Beyond Meat burgers are temporarily out of stock at A&W restaurants across the country. Demand for the plant-based burgers has exceeded expectations, according to A&W. So the CEO says, well, we're going to work hard to offer guests the burger again very soon. And sure that when it's back, it's back for good. This from the boss. The Beyond Meat burger will be a permanent menu. New item, and we're delighted Canadians are as excited about it as we are. The meatless offering was launched on menus last month and features a patty made of, well, pulse crops, peas, beans, the, the whole deal. Restaurants are expected to have the burgers replenished within the next few weeks. The global livability rankings for 2018 are out from the Economist Intelligent Union, a unit rather, and Vancouver has taken a hit. Not only are we not in our usual spot among the top three cities in the world this year we've been beaten by calgary we scored exactly the same mark as last year and that was good enough for third place in the world but this year three other cities have scored higher and just moved up past vancouver leaving us this year in sixth place so who won well vienna austria is the new number one switching places with melbourne australia now number two in third spot is osaka japan followed by Calgary in fourth and Sydney, Australia in fifth. We did just manage to beat Toronto in sixth place. Uh, Toronto tied for seventh along with Tokyo. And just in time for this weekend's Vines Art Festival, continuing today and tomorrow, featuring performances and pieces by local and international artists. Yes, Trout Lake has been reopened to swimming and waiting after a month closure. And of course, John Hendry Park, which is where Trout Lake is, is where the Vines Arts Festival is all weekend long. Talk about your timing. That is it for our first hour of Vancouver Consumer Today, produced by Ben Dooley with Andrew Ferreira at the controls. I'm Sterling Fox. We'll take a quick break for the news, and then we're right back with another hour of Vancouver Consumer. Stay with us on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.